Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is mystery writer S.J. Roseanne. Roseanne's latest novel, Family Business, is the most recent novel in the Lydia Chin Bill Smith series. She has won multiple awards for her fiction, including the Edgar, Seamus, Anthony, Nero, and McCavity, the Japanese Maltese Falcon, and the Private Eye Writers of America Lifetime Achievement Award. SJ, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, Family Business, how would you describe the novel? And also, if someone listening hasn't read your Lydia Chin, Bill Smith series yet, how would you describe the, the two main characters in the series? Maybe I'll take the second question first. Sure. Lydia and Bill are private eyes. Lydia is around 30. She is a Chinese-American woman. She lives in Chinatown, New York City. Well, Chinatown, Manhattan, with her mother. Her four older brothers pay the rent, and she's there to help her mother uh, sort of look after her mother, although her mother would say she's there to look after Lydia. Bill is uh, a little more than 10 years older. He's your classic white male, iconic private eye. He is as um, cynical as Lydia is cheerful, and they are partners. Lydia's books, and I alternate as narrators, uh, each of them from book to book. Lydia's books tend to be more Chinese-oriented, and a lot of them take place in Chinatown. One of them took place in uh, Hong Kong. Bill's books are more, uh, they, they tend to spread around New York City. This is a Lydia book, Family Business, and it's about the things that go on in families, but family gets defined rather broadly. Um, the book is about, because it's a New York book, it's about crime and real estate, which in New York are often the same thing, or at least interrelated. Real estate is involved in, in everything we do here. And this book is, it opens with a uh, tongue leader dying of natural causes. And it goes on from there. It, it Most of the book takes place in Chinatown or in one of the other uh, Asian neighborhoods in New York. So that's how I would start it. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Family Business? It Yes. There is a serious threat to Manhattan Chinatown right now, which is the kind of joint uh, dangers of gentrification and development. And I thought maybe I could make that clear by writing, basically writing the book about it. So I wanted to write a book where development really threatened Chinatown, but it was more complicated than that. And that's where it came from. The opening uh, setup is that a this building that, that the Tom is in is the one holdout building in a parcel being assembled by a Chinese-American developer to put up a huge building on a corner in Chinatown. And this is something that could happen. And I 
was a little appalled when I found out how really fairly simple it would be. So I went ahead and, and, uh, and wrote this book, hoping that, um, it, it, by showing how easy it would be, I might be able to help it not happen. Well, you mentioned earlier that with this series and the two main characters that you kind of alternate the books, who is kind of narrating the book and the point of view. Um, when you wrote the first Lydia Chen and Bill Smith novel, did you have that in mind in the back of your mind that you would write subsequent novels from a different point of view? Actually, I didn't. Uh, the first book I wrote, which was not the first book published because they did it in a different order. But the first book I wrote was a Bill Smith book, and Lydia was his sidekick. All the private eyes, when I started out, had sidekicks. They didn't when the private eye form began, but by the time I started writing, the private eyes all had sidekicks, and I figured that was good because that way they could, the, the private eye and the sidekick could, could converse, and the reader could sort of eavesdrop on, on what was going on. But I thought Lydia would remain Bill's sidekick until about halfway through that book when it became clear to me that I had gone out of my way to create somebody as his sidekick who was different from him in every way and and saw things differently. And it was a real waste of an opportunity to not see things through her eyes and I began to get the feeling, this is where you get that woo-woo, it's a nutty writer thing. I began to get the feeling that she thought so too, and that she was willing to serve as sidekick in that first book. And then after that, she wanted a book where he was the sidekick. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. Once I did that, uh, the publisher decided that, and I think this makes a lot of sense, there were a lot of iconic white male private eyes. There were no Chinese American female private eyes. And they thought if someone were to pick up a book by a totally unknown name, which when you're picking up a first book is what you're doing, they would be more likely to pick up something they couldn't get otherwise, that is a Chinese American woman, than to take a chance on another white male private eye when they had Robert Parker and, and uh, Robert Crace and a whole bunch of other people. So they came out with the Lydia book first. That was China Trade. And after that, I just kept alternating from voice to voice. And, uh, and both characters seemed satisfied with that, as I was. And I'm curious, do you remember discussing the idea of alternating the points of view in in the novels with your original editor what what their thoughts were no because by the time the well all right I, I, let, let me put it another way um the original idea led me to think i was writing two different series that That's i would be right. writing the bill smith series and the Lydia Chen series, and each character would be uh, the sidekick in the other guy's series. And my editor assumed that I was writing one series with alternating narrators. Got it. And he told that to my agent, and my <laughs> agent told that to me. 
And I said, oh, that's a good idea. Sure, let's do it that way. <laughs> and my agent went back to the editor and said, yeah, that's what she's doing. She's doing the alternating narrator series, the single series. And that's really how that happened. Um, I did not have that discussion. My agent did. And I was, um, it seemed like a great idea, and <laughs> which I did not have. But, um, but I was willing to go with it. If I had known at the time that no one had ever done it before, I probably wouldn't have done it either. Because when I was writing the detect, when I started the detective novel had been around for 150 years, the private eye novel for 80, maybe. And I would have thought that my elders and betters must have come up with this idea and there must be some reason not to do it. So I wouldn't have done it if I'd known it hadn't been done. So that's uh, that this is one, an example of the kind of thing that can happen when your ignorance actually can be turned to your advantage. True. I'm, I'm curious with, with a long-term series like you have written, do you ever, uh, do you ever think about, um, do you ever think about future uh, novels um, ahead or do you just write one book as it comes to you? Get the idea for the next book, a little germ of something about three quarters of the way through the book before. And if I don't have that germ by about 85% of the book before, I start to get nervous. <laughs> I don't think farther ahead, further ahead. I don't think further ahead than that. Although if something came to me, if I were reading a newspaper article today about something in Chinatown, I would that I thought would make a great Lydia book. I would certainly um, make notes for myself. But the next book will be uh, a Bill Smith book, and I'm doing the research for it now. And it came as an idea while I was writing Family Business. As long as I get them sort of a book ahead, that is fine. Any, like I say, any anything tighter than that, it, it makes me nervous. And then people will say things like somebody asked me, I did an interview the other day, and one of the questions from the audience was, are you ever planning to send Bill and Lydia to Los Angeles? I thought, well, no, I hadn't thought of that, but that's an interesting idea. And, um, you know, I'll put that in the back of my mind and see what happens. Also, you know, New York now has six or seven, depending on how you count, Chinatowns in the boroughs as well as Manhattan. Right. And Lydia and Bill have barely scratched those. Lydia's brother lived, one of Lydia's brothers lives in one of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, kind of Asian content out there that I haven't really looked at. I'm going out to Queens today to get my uh, COVID booster. And I'm going out very near one of those Chinatowns. So there's absolutely no reason not to stroll into that Chinatown and get some dumplings on my way home. And if something strikes me as really interesting, that may start the germ of the next Lydia book. But um, meanwhile, I have the Bill book to, uh, to focus on. Sure, sure. 
Well, what was your writing journey prior to getting the first book in the series published? Had you written novels before? What, what was your writing journey? Yeah, I had not. Um, I was an architect and I was, I, when I was in high school, I always thought I was, I would grow up to be a writer. And then in college, I swerved and studied film and photography. And then I went to graduate school in architecture. I practiced for years. I was a practice for about eight years at a really good firm. And that was, that was my good luck because I had a really good job and the job was so good that when I realized I wasn't happy, I knew it wasn't one of those situations where you just say to yourself, I hate this place. I'm going to go out and get a better job. There really wasn't a better job, but I had no reason to hate this place. It was the profession. And the minute I thought of that, this little voice in the back of my head said, well, if I'm going to write a book, when am I going to be a writer? So I thought, all right, let me try that. And I started working on what would eventually become that first novel that, that then was published later in the series. Um, but at the same time, I got about a third of the way through that. And I said to myself, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea if this book is going to work out. I have no idea if it's even a book. I would like to write something that I can see the whole thing complete. I'm going to write a short story and see if I can sell it. And so I did. I stopped the book about a third of the way through. I wrote a short story. I sent it away to a thing called PI Magazine, which still exists, but no longer takes fiction. But at the time they did. And they bought it. I was astounded. And so I went back to the novel. and. About two-thirds of the way through the novel, I did it again. I said, let me do another short story. And I sent that to PI Magazine again, and they bought that also. I thought, oh, maybe this isn't such a stupid idea. And then I finished the book, and I got an agent fairly quickly. But he was unable to sell that book. That was the first Bill Smith book. He was unable to sell it, but because I was crazy. I sat down and wrote another one while he was trying to sell the first one. And then I wrote a third one. And then he sold the uh, Lydia Chin book and both Bill Smith books at the same time. So I don't have uh, a trunk full of unsold novels. I do have one, which I wrote uh, six or seven years ago, maybe a little more, which is my big thriller set in Mongolia which nobody seems really interested in. The readers do, but the publishers all start with, where is Mongolia? Um, or that's part of China, right? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a problem. Uh, but that is my only unpublished uh, in, the, in the trunk novel. And I have the Bill and Lydia books. There are now 14 of those. Two paranormals which were supposed to be the start of a new series in which I did those with a writing partner. And we were going to explain every paranormal creature on the planet uh, in a global way. And after the second book, the publisher folded. So that was the end of that. And too bad, really. And um, I did two uh, books right after 9-11, uh, two New York City-based books, one about 9-11, and then the other also, again, about real estate. And I, I just finished a book uh, with another writing partner 
which we hope will be the start of an, of another series set in London in 1924 called The Murder of Mr. Ma, which my agent is going to take out uh, for, uh, who's going to start shopping around after the new year. So um, I have been really lucky is, is the, uh, the uh, kind of short version of the story here in finding publishers and uh, finding the ability to keep going even after I change publishers and change agents. Uh, I did have a, uh, a, a, a stall in the middle, but I got, uh, I got going again. And so that that's the the long version of my journey, as you say. Sure. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Well, I'm curious, is your writing process the same novel to novel? Are you someone who, who outlines extensively or do you just kind of dive into the narrative? Um, yeah, I just I just dive in. I have an idea of what the point of the book is, of what the the uh, world the book is set in, and what I want to say about that world, as I did about the real estate world that in 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 family business that Chinatown is threatened, and that's a bad thing. But I don't know how I'm going to go about that. I also, in family business, wanted to bring in Lydia's family and the family that gets created in a uh, tong or gang in, in, in an illegal um, organization, but one where um, 
nevertheless, people are close to each other and, and consider each other family. There's a whole bunch of, of things I was considering family in, in this book, and I wanted to talk about them all. But that was sort of all I knew. And then I started, and um, <clears throat> then I, 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 I trust my subconscious. At this point, now, you know, I've written 19 novels. Uh, it took me a long time to get to where I really, I trust that my subconscious knows what it's doing and is going in the right direction. <laughs> and if it doesn't, that I will figure it out uh, fairly rapidly and um, be able to kind of go back and, and, and pick up where I, where I went in the wrong direction. Um, so I don't outline. I do want to say, though, that this murder of Mr. Ma that I just finished, um, my, uh, the writing partner I'm working with delivered a 16-page single-spaced outline. That was his contribution. And um, I had to throw part of it out because he was including um, not just the kitchen sink, but as though he had gone <laughs> up and down the hallway and taken all the kitchen sinks from all the other apartments. And they were all in there. Um, so, you know, I had to pare the thing down. But to have an outline that extensive to write from was a pure joy um i could not supply myself with something like that because i would have the same problem doing the outline as i have doing the book that is until the characters start doing things i don't know who they are and what they what they want and what they're capable of but he my partner established all that and i got to make a narrative and flesh you know real life characters and i i got to do all the fun stuff without having <laughs> to do the uh, the uh, the plot and yeah. i'm telling you this is this is it's like it's like having a uh, a limousine at your disposal <laughs> i'll take it um so now you so, just got to find someone to just write your plots for you honestly uh, this is the best thing ever um and we do hope that this will be a series. I'll keep Bill and Lydia going also sure. and uh, other books of my own that I want to do. But we're hoping that that uh, this uh, uh, London uh, in the 20s thing does catch on because I would sure love that. That's great. Just to keep going like this. Well, well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Oh, the, the writing advice I have comes in two parts. One is read, 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 read everything. Um, and the, um, the, uh, sub, sub mm -hmm. part of that, which is not the second piece of advice, but a sub part of the read, read, read is steal, steal, steal. Um, anything that, that sounds good, uh, see if you can do that in your own words. Any style you like apply it to what you're doing. Um, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, there is nothing new. You might as well take an incremental step and try something that someone else has already tried and see if you can make it yours. The other piece of advice is write, write, write all the time. You have to write every, it's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym. You don't have to go to the gym every day, but if you do go every day, it's easier to go the next day. Um, <laughs> if you write every day, you don't have to start from 
farther back and worked your way back up to where you were. So I, I'm a great believer in writing every day, even if you can only get in half an hour, even if it's, if it's, you don't have any time, even if you're looking at your book and you have no idea what happens next. Um, so write something else. Um, there, there's just, there's nothing like reading and writing to produce writing. Um, and, and there's really no other way there's, and, and let me say this, there's no great time to get started. It's not like you'll know, okay, now I'm ready. I have sure. the desk all organized. I have the house all organized. Nobody's going to bother me for a couple of hours. Nobody's going to bother me for a couple of weeks. Um, everything is great. Now I can start. That will never happen. So you might as well, you know, as, as the Buddhists say, start where you are. Start right now, you know, and, and do the half an hour you have. Do the hour you have, whatever, um, and do it again tomorrow. And that will eventually produce writing you're proud of, which will then make it easier to go on. So that is, is the extent of my advice. Sure. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Ah, okay. I have just finished uh, N.K. Jemison's The City We Became, and I loved it. It, I have issues with it. There are things I would have done very differently, but what she did that is just jaw-dropping is the personification of New Yorkers, um, the the uh, of of the the moods of the different boroughs. Um, it's very very much a New York book, and I loved it. It it just um, it really did it for me. Um, I also read. Uh, the City and the City, uh, Chino Bieville, uh, which I also loved. Th they're both um, uh, speculative fiction, although The City and the City is almost not. That is, it, it, it could happen without any change in our physical reality. Uh, the City We Became couldn't, but it... They're both just terrific, and they're great for, for stretching the mind, which I really love to do. I'm about to start uh, Naomi Hirohara's Clark and Division, which has been getting tremendous press uh, everywhere. So I'm looking forward to that. And in terms of nonfiction, I recently read uh, Isabel Wilkerson's cast. Uh, she wrote... Um, uh, the warmth of other suns, which knocked me out when it came out. So uh, now I've I've read Cast, which I also thought was terrific. So um, I don't have much reading time, and I like to make sure uh, the book that I'm reading is is worth it. And uh, you know, this this year I've I've hit a uh, a nice little streak uh, recently. So that's, that's what great. I, well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Ah, uh, they can go to www.sjrosan.net, not .com, .net. I don't know who has .com, but whoever it is, it ain't me. So .net. Um, they can go to uh, Facebook on both. Uh, I have both an author page and a uh, personal page. Uh, it's basically the same material. Uh, 
I'm on Twitter as SJ Roseanne and I'm on Instagram, which is largely photographs. So if you don't want to actually have to, you know, read me, you just want to look at the pictures. I do a lot of photography and, um, and I love to, to, you know, post it and stuff. So if you go to my website, you can kind of get connected to all these things. And, um, I would love to hear from anybody who wants to say anything. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with S.J. Rosen, author of the new novel, Family Business. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And S.J., thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Wonderful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.